Luke chapter 5. Let's drop down to verse 16. Tonight I wanted us to look at what do you do when your plans are interrupted? Luke chapter 5 verse 16. So he himself, speaking of Jesus often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. That happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by. That's the Pharisees and the scribes. Who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Then behold, men uh, brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and led him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. You caught that. They tore the roof off and let him down. When he saw their faith, he said to him, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Rise up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. Let's pray. Father, it is good to be in your house tonight. It is good to worship you. And Father, just for that privilege, we praise your holy name. Thank you for gifting your church with the musicians. Make sure the buildings are open and safe and the heat's on and, and all the things that go on for those who work in our nursery when we need them. Father, there's so many we could be thankful for, but we just praise you for being with us tonight. You've promised to be here if two or more gathered in the name of Jesus said you'd be in our midst, and we know there's more than that here. So, Father, to that end, calm our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit. Give us ears to hear and minds to understand and hearts to obey you. Let us grow from your word tonight. Let us make the decisions publicly that need to be made publicly for you. These things I pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. I don't know if you've noticed it. Here's what happens in my life. About the time I think, wow. I've got the week pretty well planned out. I'm going to do this and this and it. Boom. Something happens. Every once in a while, I even plan out a whole month and boom. Something else interrupts that. And so a lot of times I just carefully plan out what's supposed to happen the next day. And there it happens. An interruption. Now sometimes it's a minor interruption. You know, you're in a hurry and you've got to get places. And Monday morning you've got a flat tire. That's just a minor interruption. Sometimes it, it might be you're in the middle of a, of a hectic day and you find out you got surprise company coming and your wife panics. 
Maybe I panic. Okay? And that sort of interrupts the evening you had planned. Or maybe, maybe it's more serious interruption. Maybe you go to the doctor and you get a bad diagnosis. That interrupts your whole week. It can interrupt your whole life. Maybe there's other kinds of serious interruptions, a loss of a job or a family member. But you see, interruptions are a part of life. And so what do we do when our life tends to be turned upside down? You realize that interruptions aren't just for us today. The scriptures are full of people who experience interruption. Think about Abraham had his life together. At eight, he's called to follow God and he doesn't know where he's going. But he gets up and goes. Think of Joseph who thought he had it made and had these dreams of being great and mighty even more than his family and he sold into slavery. And if you didn't realize, he spends the next 20, almost 20 years, 16 years in slavery, in a prison till God raises him up to do what God planned to do. That's an interrupted life, a serious interruption. But you see, when you look at Jesus, he was so busy all the time. People will always interrupt him. Sometimes he didn't even have time to eat. But he always handled it with grace and mercy. And I think he knew a secret that we need to do. Life's interruptions can be used as opportunities for growth and service. For growth and service. And so I want to look at a couple of things from Jesus' life about these interruptions. The first one is this. Notice what happens when they interrupt a worship service. That's in verses 16 through 19. It says, so he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. It happened a certain day as he was teaching. There were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And then behold, they, men brought a, 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 on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find out how they might bring him in, because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down on his bed, through the tiling, into the midst before Jesus. It's an interrupted worship service. Here Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of God. There are important dignitaries in this service. The Pharisees and the scribes are going to find out who Jesus is. Maybe the religious leaders had sent a group to find out, who's this guy, what's he doing, how's he doing all these things. And as they're sitting there listening to his teaching and waiting to pounce if he says something wrong, and he's healing people, all at once the roof starts falling in. Literally, somebody comes to church and the roof fell in. We always tease about that, right? That happened right here. It's an interruption, you see? But see, Jesus was prepared. What do I mean Jesus was prepared? In verse 16, his preparation included prayer time. Before he did all of his things, he beautifully handled the interruptions because he spent time in prayer. He said, as was his practice, as was his habit. In other words, he often and constantly went out to pray in deserted places to prepare in prayer for what God had for him that day. But he also didn't just have prayer, he had practice. His practice was to come into a town, teach in the synagogue, and heal their sick. And he continued that in this place. He had a routine for serving God. His practice was to heal, and it's a practice and a habit to serve. Listen to me. Habits aren't always bad things, especially when it involves my habit. My practice is to serve God. And we need to ask, is that our habit, to look at opportunities for service. When you see people and 
you know, don't do like your pastor. Sometimes I, I want to get into Walmart and out of Walmart. Let me, let me rephrase that. Every time I go, I want to get into Walmart and out of Walmart. Okay? <clears throat> and inevitably, I run into people. Okay? Now, uh, you know, they have to be right in front of me because I know where I'm going, what I'm going to get. I'm going to go there and go. And so if you're not right in front of me, I'm not going to see you. You have to holler. Okay? Hey, they holler. Okay? And uh, my practice is get in and get out, but God interrupts. So am I looking for opportunities to serve in those interruptions? You experience the same things. You're in a hurry here or a hurry there. Life is generally a hurry, tends to be a blur. But sometimes God wants to slow us down because he has something for us to do. And so he interrupts. And when he interrupts, do we get frustrated or a little bit upset or blow the situation off? Or do we look for opportunities to serve. Now the problem was he's in the middle of a worship service, I said, and it's interrupted in a big way. Can you imagine this church being so full and spilling out into the lot and nobody can get in or out because it's just standing room only and somebody wants to bring somebody in here and they just tear the roof off and let them down. First of all, I don't want to be up there, but you know. I mean, it's, it's interrupting everything. But you see, these guys believe something that we need to believe. They knew that their friend could only be helped by Jesus and nothing was going to stop them from getting them, getting him to Jesus. Do you have friends like that? Do you have neighbors or family members that you know that the only real hope for them is Jesus. Now, the second question is more important. What keeps us from getting them to Jesus? What keeps us from making sure they know about Jesus? See, they seize their opportunity. Jesus is in town. Jesus is in that house. We got him trapped. They couldn't get to him. They go up. Probably good Baptist. They tore off the roof and let the guy down. Being really good Baptist, they fixed the roof afterwards. But you see, you need to understand something. Think about the interruption that these guys really experienced. See, we just concentrate on what they did. It interrupted their day to carry that guy to Jesus. It interrupted their day to have to lift him and carry him up to the rooftop. It interrupted their day because they were, were responsible by Mosaic law for fixing that roof after he got up and walked off. It doesn't say he waited on them, did it? It said he got up and went home. That's what he was told. But you realize interruptions can be costly. Interruptions take time. Interruptions are just that. They distract us from what we had normally planned. And yet they can be turned into opportunities for service if we'll pay attention. And sometimes we need to pay attention see, we need to realize that. Are we missing our opportunities because we're running away from interruptions? You know, if you ever want to really have fun, when you go to Walmart and you're not in a hurry, look for people you know. They'll try to avoid you. Or maybe that's just me. They see you coming, they duck down the aisle. You run around to the opposite aisle. Just watch them. They'll peek out like a squirrel. Oh, hi! 
And we saw us. Now, I wouldn't be that ornery, but yes, I would. Only on days when I don't mind interrupting them. But you see, interruptions are really appointments from God for us to serve Him. That's something that's hard to remember, but we need to understand that Jesus knew that this was an appointment from God. Okay? So God would be glorified so that people come to know who He really was, the Messiah. Okay, but realize what Jesus did. He interrupted a life of sin. Look at verses 20 and 21. He interrupted a life of sin. When he saw their faith, you notice it didn't say the guy's faith. When he saw their faith, he said to him, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? For who can forgive sins but God alone? They were right. Only God can forgive sin. But you see, he's interrupting a life of sin. Jesus looks at the faith. Some scholars say it was this man's faith, but he said he looked at their faith. So it was either all of them or the guys that were carrying him. Jesus always responds to faith. When we pray, he responds to faith. When we trust him, he responds to that faith. We need to understand that then and now. But he says, man, your sins are forgiven you. I think there's three basic reasons. First of all... uh, They believed that only Jesus could help this guy, and he was going to help them. Secondly, he said, your sins are forgiven you, not you're just healed. Maybe it was his sinful lifestyle that caused this paralysis. We don't know. But it makes sense that since he responds to faith, and only Jesus could help, and the way he helps us says, your sins are forgiven you, because ultimately Jesus just didn't come to heal. He came to forgive sin. This guy's getting the real deal. He responds there. And I think... One of the main reasons is this. He wanted to show, because he tells us that, that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority to forgive sins. In other words, he's showing that he is really God, because only God can forgive sins. He's going to forgive this guy's sins and prove to them that he has that. You see, that was the act he did, the accusation. They said, who, who can do this? They understood what Jesus was saying. He's saying, I'm God. You, your sins are forgiven you. You see, and their narrow-minded legalism comes on. The law dogs were quick to jump on it. They'd been looking for him to do something wrong. They wanted to report back to their leaders, and they, they knew they had him now. But he understood their reasoning. You see, they overlooked his unique relationship with the Father, and we need not to be accusatory or not to be judgmental. We need to say, is this of the Bible? Is this of God? And then we need to move forward according to those checks on that. See, sometimes we get a little bit legalistic. It's sort of like the, the, <clears throat> the fellow who took his pastor fishing. Okay, and this, this fellow knew, you know, the pastor knew this guy caught fish all the time. Sort of like somebody else in the room over on that side Always catching fish. I've been meaning to ask Robert if he did this. Well, they were sitting there, and, and all at once, the pastor looked said, what are we going to use for bait? He said, I got it right here. He reached into this bag, pulled out a stick of dynamite, lit the dynamite. Pastor's about to freak out. He threw the dynamite over the thing. Boom! Fish come floating far. They gathered up everything. He says, that's illegal. You can't do that. He lit another one, handed it to the preacher, said, preacher, you going you gonna to talk? You going to fish? What are you going to do with the dynamite? Okay. So... My question is, are we going to 
get with it and serve Jesus during the opportunities or we're going to be mad at folks for interrupting. See, we need to ask ourselves, what's most important in that situation? I, I think the pastor learned the most important thing was just shut his mouth and fish. He's going to blow himself up. You haven't been doing that, have you, Robert? Okay. No, but last time he froze me good, so I still owe Jimmy and, and Raymond something for that. I remember that now. But my point is, okay, Jesus was interrupting a life of sin by saying, your sins are forgiven. Do you realize when these interruptions happen, sometimes Jesus is using you to halt somebody, halt them from a sinful lifestyle, to halt them from going to hell, to halt them from any eternity condemned without Jesus. That's your opportunity and my opportunity. The third thing, there's interruptions of a life of pain. You see, look at verses 22 through 25. But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Rise up and walk. But that you may know the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, Take up your bed and go to your house. Arise. And immediately he rose up and before them took what he had been lying on, departed to his own house, glorifying God. See, a life of pain, this guy... He's going to have to beg. He has to depend on somebody to carry him. He's paralyzed. It's an awful life. Jesus is going to fix that. He's going to interrupt that. And so he asked the uh, Pharisees and scribes an important question. Which is easier to say? Arise, take up your bed and walk? Or your sins are forgiven? Now if you'll think about it, the easiest thing to say is your sins are forgiven because there's no outward proof that that happens. You can't see it, can you? But if you say, your sins are forgiven, therefore, arise, take up your bed and walk. Now, there's the proof. The proof in the pudding. Is he going to stand up? Here's a guy that's totally paralyzed. Had to be lowered. Uh, had to be carried to the Lord's service, lowered down. He's sitting there before Jesus. Can't move. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. You rise up and walk. Now, can you imagine what those guys thought? When that guy began to wiggle. And when he sat up in that bed. And when he got up on his feet. And rolled that bedding up. And took it out. Praising God as he parted the crowd. See the power of God was displayed. Because Jesus is God. And, and, and he goes out glorifying God. And the religious leaders thought he was blaspheming. When he was really curing pain and suffering. You see, interruptions are all about what God wants to do in our lives. Listen to me, sometimes he interrupts our life and there's actually pain and suffering there, but he wants us to learn from the pain and suffering. I don't know if you've heard of a fellow named Joseph Scriven. He was a very young man. He was in, in, engaged to the love of his life and, and his fiancée died of a certain mysterious illness. Scriving's grief and disappointment made him bitter and discouraged for months upon months. But yet out of that grief, when he realized that Christ alone could comfort him, he wrote these words. See if you know them. 
What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. And he pinned that hymn out of that experience of learning that even when life was interrupted, even when he lost the love of his life, even how he didn't know how the future, that God was still with him. And he wrote those words. And sometimes God has to interrupt so that we'll slow down and realize who he is and what he's done. What's the last point? Interruptions as opportunities. Look at verse 26. And they were all amazed... And they glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. Yeah, I think if they tore the roof off and lowered somebody and then he got up and walked at the command of Jesus, that we would say, Those are strange things. The word strange there is paradoxia, from we get the word paradox. And literally in the Greek, paradoxia means against opinion. Or against what we think. Or against what we've been raised to believe. Or against what we practice. Here the Pharisees and the scribes didn't think anybody was supposed to interrupt a worship service. But God was glorified in the midst of it. We need to understand that. You know I have some folks. Why don't you make those kids be quiet? You leave the kids alone. You're barking up the wrong tree with me about kids, okay? Because they're not going to interrupt everything, but one of these days, God's going to grab hold of their little hearts, and you're going to see them come right down that aisle because they love being in this place. And if you disagree with that, you just be that way. But don't come complaining to me because you won't get any satisfaction. You see, Jesus' life was constantly interrupted. By the common opinions of the day. You can't do this. You can't do that. Christianity or faith to them was a bunch of don'ts. And Jesus said, well, it's really supposed to be a bunch of do's. Do you realize that it's just as much sin not to do what you're supposed to do as it is to do bad things? For him who knows to do good and does not do it, it is sin. Book of James. You see, rather than have a checklist Christianity, we ought to ask God, I'm at your service today. Where are you leading me? God, uh, uh, this day is yours. It's a day I'll rejoice and be happy in it. That's the verse that Elizabeth always quotes to me when I get upset because something has interrupted my day and somebody's pulled out in front of me and I want that bazooka on the front of my truck to blow them off the road. It's a good thing those things are illegal. But you see, I've come to realize that she's exactly right. Sometimes God has to slow me down so I see the opportunities that are right there in front of me. You can be hurrying through the grocery store, but do you see a clerk that is a little downtrodden, has had a bad day, needs a good word? You see that bank teller that you can tell that she's been up, her eyes are red, she's probably been crying. What's wrong? 
You see those kids at school that, man, they don't ever have anybody say anything good to them. They're always in trouble. They, you know, they act out a lot. They do those things. And yet they're waiting for somebody just to say, hey, you're a good kid. Come on with me. Let's hang out today. I can keep going. See, God gives us opportunities in the form of interruptions so that we can serve him. Don't miss your opportunity to serve Jesus. Isn't that what Jesus said when he said, when you've done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you've done it to me. And if you didn't do it to the least of these, my brethren, you didn't do it for me. Don't miss the interruption that God brings to your life. Look at it as an opportunity. Let's pray. Father, we're getting ready to have the invitation time. If we need to come and rededication, if we need to come and just surrender to you and say, you know, I've been looking at some of these op- these interruptions in my life that, that I don't like, Lord. They're not what I had planned. And, and Father, rather than make me bitter, help me to be better, a better servant for you, a better servant to the, my fellow man. Because you did not come to be served, but to serve and to give your life a ransom for many. And that's what we're to follow. And Father, we just pray that whatever decisions need to be made publicly, whether it's to join the church by baptism or letter or statement, whether it's to be saved, whether it's to come in rededication, whether it's just to pray for others, that Lord, we'll do those that will glorify the name of Jesus. I pray this in His name. Amen.